Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. Welcome to episode 23 of Almost Cooperstown. We're fresh off of probably the most exciting game of the World Series of our Game 4. The series is now tied 2-2 after quite the amount of heroics, and I guess from the Rays last night, and a big mistake from the Dodgers in the bottom of the ninth inning. That was... Yeah, yeah. Chris Taylor's got to be, you know, punching himself right now because he just picked his head up and didn't didn't keep his head down on the ball. And he, and and he, and he didn't need game. to because it was. I don't think yeah, a, a, a Rosarino would have scored yeah, yeah. had he not done that. But I, I, at the same time, I think if you're the Dodgers, if that's the game that they have to beat you with, where you know this is the the, the game probably that matches up best for the Rays in the sense of. Their opener strategy works best at this point in the Dodgers rotation. You have the, you're able to exploit that mismatch the most. And it took an incredible amount of heroics from the Rays, including another Kevin Kleinmeyer home run, which I'm sorry if you followed his career, you know the fact that he's at like three of them in the World Series is unbelievable. How about Brandon Lau hitting an opposite field Field, home run? That was a crazy shot. So it took the most insane amount of heroics from the Rays just to win that game. I, I still would take the Dodgers in the last three. Uh, I, I feel like the Dodgers are, are the team this year, although the Rays had the 30-1 and record leading after seven innings, and they had the lead. They and lost they, the lead. And then they and got then it they back. Won. That's pretty impressive. And it's just it's just interesting when you look at these kinds of series when you're, t- you're talking about them, you know, in history and how, you know, that like that play last night will be a baseball moment. A, re- a Rosarina pounding home plate is going to be a thing we see for baseball for the rest of time, it, like so many other major plays. I did feel like Jansen was going to give it up last night for some Give it reason. Up, blown the most saves in World Series it just, history. It just now. felt like he had pitched the day before. He had pitched the game, and you know he was sort of like dodging it. Anyway, um, great game, and we look but, forward to the next three. Yeah, and it's just interesting because you be have three. those iconic moments, and you think about like other iconic moments you've seen in baseball, and one of the more celebrated moments is whenever a player gets his three thousandth hit. And, you know, certainly you have some people where it's pretty special. Like, I think it was both Boggs and Jeter hit a home run for their 3,000s hit. That's that's pretty cool. But for a lot of other guys, it's not anything remarkable in the moment, but it is still a crowning career achievement to get 3,000 hits. Well, we're going to advance that. Uh, actually, it isn't 3,000 hits, you know, uh, which which is a ticket to Cooperstown, and, and certainly it has been and still is, aside from the guys who are associated with performance-enhancing drugs who are not in the Hall of Fame. In the general consensus, a lot of those guys is that the only reason they're not in the Hall of Fame is because of the performance-enhancing drugs. If you just looked at their career and without taking that into account, every single one of those guys is a Hall of Fame. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. yeah, yeah, yeah said that before about guys like Barry Bonds, who was a Hall of Famer before he started doing anything. If, if in Though fact, he did not get 3,000 hits. He did not. just short. So um, there are, you know, players we're going to talk about are players you've heard of almost, you know, every single one, yeah. 90% of them you're going to know, except for some of the guys who played before uh, 1900 or yeah, in the yeah, early yeah, 1900s. dead ball era guys where it's just like a different game almost. So we'll run through the names just because you know, and what you'll find is that the the common ground here between all these guys is they play a lot of seasons. And that's, I think, one of the aspects of getting 3,000 hits is that while it requires excellence and the ability, you know, you have to truly be a good hitter to get 3,000 hits. Just playing a hell of a lot of years is super important, too. Yeah, yes, compiling has something to do with it. Because you look at, like, the top five guys. So you've got Pete Rose, who played 24 seasons, had 4,200 hits. Ty Cobb played 24 seasons, had 4,100 hits. Right. <laughs> Hank Aaron played 23 seasons, had 3,700 hits. 
Uh, Stan Musial played 22 seasons, had 3,600 hits. And Tris Speaker played 22 seasons, had 3,500 hits. So you can see right there, every single one of those guys played 22 seasons plus. Yeah, yeah. That's going to help. And and actually, uh, a guy who's further down the list who doesn't have 3,000 hits, but if you added his hits in Japan, uh, would have more hits than Pete Rose. Because if you remember, Ichiro came here, he'd already played a lot of years in Japan and accumulated 1,278 hits in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly would have... I mean, actually, he's got over three thousand hits. So I, I meant to say he would have more hits than Rose. Yeah, he would. He would surpass Rose for the. We don't count the leader. Japanese league. Count, that's fine. We don't count him, even though you have to think. Oh my God, if he had played the whole his whole career in America, what would his career stats look like? So, so the next five guys uh, actually led by a guy who's not in the Hall of Fame, but he he certainly will be in Derek Jeter. Um, and I was surprised. More of a, a when, not if. Yeah, yes, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Thirty-four hundred and sixty-five hits for Jeter, and and that that surprised me because I remember when he got his three thousand hit, as you say about. The home run, um, and actually was at the game where he got his three thousandth hit, um, and then he still got another four hundred and sixty-five yeah, yeah, hits after that. Surprising to me yeah, that he me was, he played that much longer after he got, that they was able to get that many hits because that would mean he it played. was iffy like he was going to get three thousand. Yeah, one and point. then he played he has played probably another four or five seasons. Just to another get reason why he's a first ballot hits. Hall of Famer. So um, we've got Cap Anson who played uh, the bulk of his career in the early nineteen hundreds, a Hall of Fame player. Um, it's, just, it's just so much harder to evaluate right. those guys. Yeah, he had five hundred and twelve sacrifice hits which is the the greatest you know of all time but who no, cares those don't count they're not hits it, it, it was just that's what they called sacrifice they called them sacrifice okay. hits yeah for the longest time when i was growing up scoring games you put sacrifice in, but it wasn't a hit it was a sacrifice yeah so. like just call it a sacrifice or a bunt or a sack fly it's not a hit <laughs> the great honus wagner well, 21 seasons and 3400 hits Carl Yastrzemski is uh, high up there at number nine at 34-19. And Paul Molitor at 3,319 hits. There's a reason why he's in the Hall of Fame, and I think sometimes people forget uh, Paul Molitor. And, and it's interesting because then you get in kind of like the next group of guys. And I know th- uh, the rest of, you know, three of the four, three of the four of the five really well. Because you've got Willie Mays, Eddie Murray, Nap LaJoy, and Al- Albert Pujols. All of them have 3,000 hits. Pujols is at the bottom of that group with the lowest at 3,200. But the guy that's kind of at the top of them is a guy named Eddie Collins. He played for 25 seasons yeah, and got 3,300 30, 30, hits. No idea who this is. So, so Eddie Collins was um, played in the early 1900s. So he, he came up with the athletics in the late like 1909 or 1908. Um, and he was on the world championship teams for the A's. They won in 10, 11, um, and 13. Um, so was he on the same teams as as Cap Anson then? Uh, no, he didn't, didn't play for the same team. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Um, and so then he got traded away after a bunch, a bunch of years, um, and then he came back to the A's in 1928 and won the World Series in 29 and 30 at the end of his career. Now, he's like a 39-year-old guy. So he's like this, so he's like what they used to, we were ta- talking about kind of, in, I think in a previous episode where like sometimes, no, no, in the last episode, where like the ownership would trade for like an aging Hall of Famer as a way to boost ticket sales. So do they trade for Eddie Collins and just like, Oops, we won the World Series. Right, so he didn't win the last World Series that they won in, 30, in 31, but he did win four World Series, all with the A's, and yet he did spend uh, 12 years with the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating if you're the White Sox. You yeah, just yeah. Exactly. missed out on the championships that guy won. Absolutely. He, he did was on the team that won the World Series for the Sox in 1917. So a lot of World Series for Eddie Collins. Um, 
Yeah, those those guys. Uh, you know, probably he'd be the only guy you really don't know all that well. Uh, now you go to Cal Ripken at number sixteen, um, Adrian Beltre, who will be in the Hall yeah, of Fame. I, I, for anybody that doesn't that, that doesn't really know, I think Beltre is one of those guys that because he's still playing and because he's playing, oh, he's retired. He's, well, he was playing up until last season, yeah, yeah, correct? Yeah. And he played on the West Coast pretty much his entire career. He played for Seattle, the, Seattle, Texas. Texas, and the Dodgers. He came up as right, a Dodger. Right, right, right. So people on the East Coast. I think if you didn't really pay attention, you don't have an appreciation for how good Adrian Beltre and, and, and obviously a fantastic fielder as well. One as of well. the best defensive third basemen, an unbelievable like, like he. When we say he's a Hall of Famer, he's probably a first ballot. Hall I would of put him there for sure. He's, he's that good. He's got the home runs. He's got a, he's got everything you I, want. I think he's at he's, a he's one of the rare kind of underappreciated. I think yeah. it's just like because his career was also on not a lot of great teams playing for the Mariners and That's the Rangers. Right. I don't think a lot of modern baseball fans are enough modern baseball fans. Oh, it's an fans. East Coast bias. Come on, let's be honest. I have we're, enough appreciation. We're, we're here in the yeah. East Coast, and we don't watch those late West Coast games and get to he's, see him He's play. that good. He's he, really that he's good. He's that good. So um, George Brett, another fabulous third baseman at 3154 is number 18. Paul Wehner, uh, he and his brother Lloyd, who um, was not nearly the player that Paul was but got a lot of credit. Uh, Paul uh, was a terrific Hall of Fame player, 30, 152 hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robin Yount um, surprised me at being up at 3142 at number 20. And it's interesting because you've got actually a pretty good split of lefties and righties. Yeah. Like in this. So you can see that it's not like be- – the fact that there are as many lefties up here on this list because, you know, just looking through the top, you know, 20-ish, it looks like there's – four to five lefties, which kind of does tell you a little bit that being a left-handed batter, there is some advantage to it. Absolutely has an advantage. And all the guys that we've talked about, uh, and, and all the way through, actually, for a, we're, we're at 20 now, um, have more than 20, 20 or more seasons played. So here we go. With yeah, the, We're going to get the first guy in this next grouping that's under 20 seasons. Yeah, but that's only because he played half of his, his Exactly. He played another like 12 <laughs> seasons in Japan. So you've got Tony Gwynn. At 21 with 3,100 hits. One of the greatest pure hitters of all time. I think it's it's wild. Go look at his strikeout stats for some seasons. It's it's wacky how f- little he struck out. Then you've got an, a steroid guy in A-Rod, but he's still not. He, steroids didn't help, get, help A-Rod get 3,100 hits. Agreed. They didn't help him make contact. Might help to knock a few more out of the park. Maybe a couple of those dying quail singles would Respect have been the talent. Outs, but that was 3,100 hits that guy got. Then you got Dave Winfield. 32 seasons. Yep, mm-hmm. 3,100 And then hits. the first guy now coming in at under 20 seasons is Ichiro, who only played 19 seasons in the majors because he played, like, another 10 in Japan. 3,000 hits. 3,089. 3, That's just impressive. And rounding that grouping out is actually a guy I wouldn't have expected to get there. Craig Biggio, and that's sealed Biggio. Um, yeah, that kind of that kind of locked him in. Although, although I remember him being um, the distinction that Biggio had was he was an all star at, at catcher, at second base, and center field. The only guy to, to do be an all star at three different positions. And it's so interesting that it was all straight up the middle too. Yes, yes. where you got to be strong to be a good baseball team. People used to say. <laughs> yep. Um, and going below that, you know, you've got Ricky Henderson. You know, we're still over three thousand hits. Ricky has three thousand fifty five. Yeah, this hits. is now. This is where you start getting into the grouping of guys that are right at three thousand. So you're going to see a bunch of guys coming in here that are like right at the 3000 mark because that's what their goal was. They play that final season just to get that 3000 hit. Uh, I think that's true, actually, uh, and, a, and a really good point. Uh, Rod Carew, um, again, a, a fabulous uh, player we've talked about before, Hall of Fame player, Lou Brock. Uh, 19 seasons for Carew and for Lou Brock. Um, still just over 3,000 hits. Uh, at number 29 is Rafael Palmiero, the guy with the most hits um, who isn't in the Hall of Fame, aside from uh, A-Rod and Barry, uh, not Barry Bonds, and... Uh, 
And, and Pujols, who was and, in the A-Rod, Pujols, and Pete Rose. Right, right, right. Oh, Pete Rose, yes. Um, so there, that's, um, that's pretty impressive. And uh, Wade Boggs comes in at number 30. He had 3,010 hits. And then you kind of you start now you're starting to get the last two guys to achieve three thousand hits in their career were Al Kaline who had three thousand seven. The hits late Al Kaline who just passed away recently. Twenty two seasons, and then it's almost it's kind of sad, but it's it's kind of magical in a way. Roberto Clemente played eighteen seasons, had exactly three thousand hits. And for those that remember, he died in that plane crash in nineteen seventy two, trying to take relief supplies uh, to. Uh, uh, Puerto Rico. Um, Part of you is, I'm like, I'm so glad he got that. Could you have imagined yeah. if he had finished twenty nine ninety nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, I feel like major, I wonder if major leagues would have like given him posthumously giving him a hit. But I think I think it's no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I, I think that today we look back on it and it wouldn't matter as much if he didn't have three thousand hits. But at the time he got in the Hall of Fame, it was super important. It was. I think it would still matter today, though, for the symbolic nature of it. The fact that he was able to still achieve that mark before tragedy struck i think would be really important i think you're right and then i think once you get kind of past that now you get into two guys i don't know well both with the same first name and sam rice and sam crawford who both fell pretty much just short of three thousand. but it didn't stop from getting the hall of fame no both of them are in there and then you've got frank robinson who's in there as well and those guys are all at like 2900 so there aren't too many guys that come from the uh, pre-1900 or, or at the beginning of the 1900 era. Jake Beckley um, is there. Barry Bonds uh, uh, checks in at number 37 with 2,935 hits. And Wee Willie Keeler uh, at 2,932 hits. There's that hits. name again. I, I love that play. Hit him where they ain't. I just you know love that. You know, Chop the ball and get a base hit. And surprisingly, Rogers Hornsby, truly one of the great players of all time, uh, didn't have 3,000 hits. And I wonder how much it bothered him um, or if it meant anything that he didn't get 3,000 hits. I bet because of when he was playing – it probably didn't bother him as much, but I bet as time progressed and more guys reached that mark. Should have played another year and it got probably, 73 it more It probably hits. bugged him more because when he retired, it wasn't like there was a lot of guys that had achieved that mark. So it wasn't sure. as notable a thing. But then as now as the time passed and suddenly all these guys were getting all this recognition for getting 3,000 hits, the fact that you were like 70 short would really bug you. Al Simmons checks in right behind him at uh, just three hits fewer, 29-27. Um, again, another all-time great player uh you know who is in the hall of fame and didn't get the 3,000 hits and then i think we mentioned both of these guys last week actually with zach wheat and frankie fish both played 19 seasons frankie fish yeah like they were just like just shy of 2,900 hits like 20 or less it's just interesting and then you have a guy who i think is a very interesting case for a hall of famer omar viscal he played 24 seasons had almost 2,900 hits is he a hall of famer yeah, you know, we, we've talked about him before. We've talked about him prior. before. I don't – I never felt watching Omar Vizquel play that he was a Hall of Fame player. But in looking at his stats and knowing how good a defensive shortstop he really was, since we're of the mind that of the 333 people in the Hall of Fame, we could use a few more, he might be a guy I would say, why shouldn't he be in? It, it's the same time. You kind of – that's where you start having the realization in your – he kind of strikes you out as a first person that's like, oh, yeah, you can get to 3,000 hits just kind of by like compiling. So he had to play another season and get 123 hits. And which he would have, be in the Hall of Fame, but but at where he was, was in his career, he wasn't getting 123. Probably in a not. You know, he was probably take 55 another, years old by the time. He was probably going to take him another couple seasons to get that many. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then you've got a guy like Mel Ott, who Mel, is a Hall of Famer, absolutely. And then after him is a is a kind of a no doubter, Babe, Babe Ruth. 
Yeah, he might have only had 2,800 hits, but I don't think there's anybody in America making the argument that no, Babe Ruth no. ain't a Hall of Famer. No, a guy who did make the Hall of Fame, but it was quite controversial when he was voted in, and Harold Baines checks in at number 46 with 2,866 career hits, and I think it is the aggregation of all the hits, because Harold Baines played most of his career as a designated hitter, um, a lot of his career, I should say, mm-hmm. that and, and wasn't quite Edgar Martinez, you know, when it came In terms to- of an overall offensive threat. But there are a lot of people that, that sort of throw it on him that he He's the guy that is the poster child for what's wrong with the Hall of Fame because you put a guy in there who was not an all-time great player. 2,866 hits in 22 years. It's not like he played 24 or 25. You know, I'm, I'm, that's an impressive number to me. And he's tied. And, that, and that's something that we were just knocking Vizquel for because when you look at it, he got 2,800 hits over 24 seasons. That means he's averaging like 100 hits a season. That's not as in that. Yeah, yeah. It's not as, but not that much more no, than that. No, no, no. And that's, that's not nearly as impressive as like Pete Rose getting 4,200 hits over the same 24 seasons. Where more impressively, in 18 seasons, Miguel Cabrera, active player, has 2,866 hits just like Harold Baines. Yeah, and, and we can just kind of clear this up right now. <laughs> Miggy's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, 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 absolutely. First ballot, as he far as I'm concerned. What a triple crowd in the modern era, like in the more modern era. That's you don't do that by accident. And rounding out the top fifty, you've got an old time player, Jesse Burkett, who has 2,850 hits. I don't know too much about Mr. Burkett. But did it in only 16 seasons. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. got a, But he was playing in an era in baseball where I wonder yeah. if it was easier to amass hits because you would use the wee Willie Keeler strategy of just hit it where they well, ate. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and, and checking in at 49 is Brooks Robinson with 2,848 and Pudge Rodriguez, Ivan Rodriguez with 21 seasons and 2,844 hits. So there's your top 50, um, and you remember most of those players. Yeah, and and really outside of the steroid guys, Rose, Vizquel, and then the two active players, every one of those guys was a Hall of Famer. So if you just take the top 50 and you go down a little bit there, it seems with Geringer at 51 and Sisler at 52, both having over 2,800 hits, 2,800 hits is about the level because once you start getting down below 2,800 career hits, now you have some questionable guys who, is this guy really a Hall of Famer just because he has a lot of hits? You start needing to have other aspects to your career. Like Ken Murphy Jr. only had 2,700 hits, but he was an unbelievable power hitter and an unbelievable defensive fielder. Yeah, and, and, and a guy who could run too. Yeah, a guy like Chipper Jones only had 2,700 hits. But a solid defensive third baseman, not amazing, but I remember he was solid. And then absolutely as much as I can't stand the fact that he, he killed us all the time, from like both sides of the plate and was an unbelievable yeah, player, he probably like, had 500 against the Mets. Yeah. Um, and so so the guy who's sort of glowing in this, you know, uh, 10 between 50 and 60 is at number 55, played 18 seasons, amassed 2,769 hits. It's Johnny Damon. And that's where you can start getting into the discussion of compiling. And and, and I don't want to throw shade on Johnny. No, Damon. it's not about Johnny Damon not being a good player, but that's where you start seeing that. Okay, given enough time, types of players can reach these numbers. And it's not that Johnny Damon isn't a good baseball player. It's I don't think Johnny Damon is a Hall of Famer. That's how I feel about it. And yet he does have some pretty uh, impressive postseason home runs and, 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 and exploits that count, I think, for it. They count. You know, if I said Damon has a 56.3 career war, that's borderline, right? He doesn't make our 18 years, 56, and, and they all count. So he's right there he's at the right three or so the per season he needs to be considered. Um, 235 homers, 284 career average, on base at 352, 408 stolen bases. Um, 
zero gold gloves. Obviously, I don't think <laughs> yeah. anybody would have rated Johnny Damon. That that's that's what undercuts you. That's right what there, undercuts right? him is that he was not a great defensive. So player. I think, but but good might have been stretching it. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, a great major league player, and as are some of the other guys that are are we're going to talk about going forward a little bit. You, they just didn't get the twenty eight hundred hits, and it seems like there's a reason that they're not in the Hall of Fame. And then you have you have a couple guys that are right below that that are you know that are a little bit kind of equal. You'd say Carlos Beltran, who actually had less career hits than Damien, probably actually has a better chance of making it in. I, I feel that, and, and I don't know that Beltran will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think he is going to be a Hall of Famer. The only thing that could hurt him is his connection to the whole Astros thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see him, unfortunately, kind of being retroactively punished. Base, Certain, baseball does have a way of doing that. Certainly it would keep him from being a first ballot. So uh, a couple of other interesting names um, on on this list. Um, Al Oliver is in there. I always talk about him as I just liked him so much as a player. Dave Parker, another pirate uh, like Al Oliver, 2,700 career hits, great defensive player, a lot of home runs, uh, perennial all-star. But because he doesn't have 2,800 hits or more, we're going to argue, he's not in the Hall of Fame and he's not going to probably get voted into the Hall of Fame by the veterans. I mean, even right behind him is a guy like Gary Sheffield, who... I think we, we've talked about before as kind of being a border. I think he's kind of a poster child for a Hall of Very Good. Like, he would be one of the lead guys in the Hall of Very Good. You know, the 509 career home runs that, just that, gets my attention. Yeah, that, 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 and that's something that high kind of he has that sets him apart from a guy like Bill Buckner, who actually had a few more hits than Sheffield over the same number of seasons. But Sheffield had 509 career home runs. That's... Yeah, it's kind of hard to, you know, and, and here's the thing that you'll find interesting, and, and, and for different reasons, guys like Ted Williams are down at number 77, well, Ted Williams lost three plus years of his career being in the war at the prime of his career. Exactly, so, and I, so I think it's like one of the things, and, and you even have guys like Robinson Cano is in there right behind Ted Williams at 2,600 hits, like... And Robbie Cano is going to the Hall of Fame, and I guess people will ding him a little bit for the performance enhancing that he got suspended for, but he, pay, he paid his uh, penance, if you will, and didn't play those 80 games... That could impact his opportunity. And, and honestly, you would have a hard time making the argument that he would certainly be in the top two greatest offensive second baseman of all time. I agree with that. And and even further down the list, you know, you have guys like DiMaggio only played 13 seasons. So his career hit total is not going to be 3,000. But there's nobody who'd question Joe DiMaggio. And that's where – so that's where I think you have to kind of start discussing of like – discussing like how much is getting 3,000 hits – a function of you also having longevity and the ability to compile statistics. Because the other thing that you notice when you go through these names that have 3,000 hits, two things jump out to you. It's guys that played a lot of seasons, and it's a lot of guys that played a lot of seasons a while ago. Well, and I think that's right because you, you talk about you know old baseball and, and um, you know 1900 and before, and if you get to those 3,000 hits, the kind of pitching you were facing late in the games is a lot different. I think we're going to advance that trying to get 3,000 hits today has never been more difficult because you're not facing these ridiculous bullpens like the, the Rays have trying to get hits late in the game. And you're look at last night's this. game notwithstanding, you're, by you're the way, you're a baseball player in 1925, right? So you're going to pitch. You're out of the dead ball era. You're out of the dead ball era. So you're playing functionally the same game that we're playing today. Maybe the bat wood has gotten a little better. The ball's a little more advanced. And style has changed. Guys are trying to jerk the ball instead of slap the ball. Right. But that would actually probably lead you to getting more hits than less hits. But I think the, so that's certainly a factor is just the batting approach. But I think the biggest thing is you're playing what? You I mean teams still played series against each other, right? So you would play, you know, a team three or four times in a couple day period. It wouldn't be like you'd play one game against them and then three weeks later you'd play another game against the same team. No, you're playing them three or four days in a row. 
how many pitchers did those teams back in 1920 carry? No, I, well, the pitchers that they carried was not very many pitchers. No. They didn't have a staff of 10 guys. No, you, you maybe had the four or five guys. That and reg- and they basically, you were expected to go out and pitch the whole game. So think about that. It's late September in the 1925 season. You're in the third game series against the Philadelphia Athletics, right? And they throw out Joe. He's their, you know, pitcher for the third game in the series. Joe's probably thrown 11 billion innings this season so far because he throws the whole game every time. You think facing Joe in the bottom of the seventh after he's thrown 140 pitches in that game is going to be the same effectiveness of a pitcher as when they bring out, you know, Baez from the bullpen last night? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Different, different animal altogether. And they did weird things back at the turn of the 20th century. So one year, everybody hated Ty Cobb, and he was in a batting race with Napa Lajue. And so the players hated Cobb so much that they basically backed off in the last game of the season and let Lajue bunt six times successfully up the third baseline to get base hits so he would beat Cobb and for the batting title. But he didn't. He actually came like a, a hundredth of a point short, and Cobb ended up winning anyway. <laughs> Co- Cobb must have – like – I. That would be if you if, like the the only thing that makes me sad is that if that happened today, could you imagine the social media pop off from it. Ty Cobb? I, I, like I if I'm stuff. Ty Cobb, I am I am on Instagram, I am on Facebook, I am on YouTube, I am on Twitter, being like, "Suck it, all of you! You tried to beat me and you still couldn't." <laughs> yeah. One of the greatest hitters of all time, and, and he probably would have said something like that too because he didn't give any kind of care about how people perceived him. So I, I think we're gonna see fewer and fewer players get to that three and that level will get down maybe it'll be 2800 maybe it'll go lower than that uh because it's, you know it's not going to become as important that the amount of hits you get it's your overall performance as a player that's become much more important now. right but i'm actually going to posit something a little paradoxical here in that i think you're going to see a player beat pete rose's record out of the modern era i think that's actually pretty likely the reason being is there's going to be play in, in california I don't know if it would be Mike Trout. I don't know if it would be Trout, but my, my, my thinking behind this is there's going to be some guy that comes up that is that that's going to approach the game that way. But the difference for him is while he's facing a higher quality of pitcher, the care that he takes of his body that's going to allow him to play more seasons is going to be something that the guys – in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, never dreamed of. Well, and even go back earlier than that, you know, they kept playing because there was nobody better. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to have that. You're not going to have some 45-year-old guy that gets uh, – ekes out 100 hits over a season because – there wasn't another guy that could do that. On them. <laughs> but, you know, in order to, to uh, compile, it's a pretty simple math problem. 3,000 hits in a career. You've got to play 20 years and average 150 hits a year. Well, there may be some years that you get more than that. Yeah, guys any, used to get over 200, but you could be injured some years and not get any hits. So, yeah, it's, it, when you have a guy – and that's how a guy like Ichiro was able to do it because, yeah, there was probably definitely some seasons near the end where he wasn't even getting, you know, 100 at-bats in a season. But – he had those seasons before that, like, what, 262, 272 that one season? That's going to help in those seasons and when you don't play quite as much. Right, but I don't I don't see too many guys uh, that have 250 hit capabilities no, in the major leagues No, and what anymore. it's going to take is there's going to have to be a paradigm shift. Baseball has shifted in a way right now where what's, what's valued is launch angle and veloc- exit velocity. So it's going to lead to guys getting less hits because you have more guys trying to launch the ball and hit home runs. But some guy's going to come around and be like, 
I'm not going to do things that way. And he's just going to slap the ball all over the place. And, and baseball will shift. It always goes through shifts like this. So 3,000 hits um, is definitely the barometer to say, yeah, if you got 3,000 hits, you should be in the Hall of Fame. Forget about the guys who have more you, than that who aren't. You might, might be a little bit of compiling, but you didn't compile those by accident. And, and that could probably be pushed down to 2,800 when you think about you know the guys that are, are in the Hall of Fame. 2,800 is generally the cutoff point where like if you needed it to be your last push over the the, the hump, it'll get you there. But if you're below 2,800, there, ha- there really has to be some other part of your career that you can paint with excellence. And even then, you could be Gary Sheffield at 500 home runs and it still isn't enough. It, you know what? It, you know, it doesn't sound as sexy to have, oh yeah, he had a 2,800 hits. It doesn't, you know, you remember 3,000 no, there's hits. there's Mr. 3,000. 500 home runs. Th- there's 3, a reason hits. why Mr. Bernie Mac starred in a, uh, the movie Mr. 3,000. It wasn't Mr. 2,800. Exactly. So uh, that's, uh, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at AlmostCoop.